From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your Budget Tracker editor, editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And with me today is Ryan McCrimmon, who covers budget and tax issues at CQ. Thanks for joining me, Ryan. Thanks for having me. So it's a new year, but Congress has the same old problem as last year. There's still no budget deal to set new spending limits for the fiscal year that began last October. And that means the appropriations process is still stalled, with the government running on autopilot, thanks to some temporary stopgap funding measures known as continuing resolutions. But current funding is set to expire on January 19, so the threat of a government shutdown is upon us again, and time for a final deal once again is running short. Congressional leaders actually sat down with White House officials last week to try to agree on how much they should spend, which amazingly enough doesn't happen very often. But the chat only lasted about an hour, and lawmakers didn't have much to say about it afterward. So, Ryan, how did it go? What do do we know? Well, we don't know much more than we did before the meeting. That's not to say it didn't go well. There could have been some substantive progress made, but we really didn't get any sort of new details of progress towards a deal. And at this point, with such little time until the deadline, it seems pretty certain that they're going to need another stopgap to buy themselves more time. There's all these issues sort of swirling around besides spending. There's some immigration issues, uh, healthcare. All these things are sort of tied together, and they need to find a way to pr- to make progress on each of these issues. Funding the government will expire on January 19th, and so that's the upcoming deadline. But uh, at, at this point, it doesn't seem like they'll get anything major done before then, and they'll have to buy some more time. But the main sticking point, as it's been all year, is how to set new spending limits. Right. So basically, they need to decide how much money they want to allot for defense programs for the next two years and for domestic programs. And that's sort of the sticking point. Democrats certainly want equal funding for defense and non-defense, or at least they want an equal increase in how much funding is allowed. Republicans do not want that. They say Democrats are holding military funding hostage for um, their domestic priorities. I mean, they've been going back and forth about how much more money they should allow for defense and non-defense, but they still don't have an agreement, despite the fact that we've known about this issue for months. I mean, since the beginning of the year, really, they've they've known this was coming, and they still haven't found a way to sort of bridge that one central issue. And we hear a lot about parity in these d- discussions. What, what is that about? Right. Parity is what Democrats call for, as I mentioned, equal increases for non-defense funding as the increase to defense funding. Republicans say that's sort of a contrived political talking point. Uh, They think that the the defense budget should increase more than the non-defense budget. They say that the military has been um, disproportionately affected by these budget cuts that we've seen uh, for the past few years. But Democrats insist that any increase in defense funding must be met by an equal increase in non-defense funding, and they really haven't budged from that. That's the way that the past few budget deals have been crafted. There have been equal increases for both defense and non-defense in the past, so there is precedent for Democrats to point to, but now one of the key differences is Republicans control both chambers of Congress and the White House. They should have more leverage to demand more funding for the military, which is sort of their priority in these talks. And so Republicans are trying to break out of that parity mold and want to do something different. 
and Democrats aren't willing to play along. But but the problem here is Republicans still need Democratic support on this, right? This is not like the tax bill. Right. This will require 60 votes in the Senate, which is sort of Democrats' last leverage. Um, they're in the minority in both chambers, but they still have that procedural tool. They need you know, Republicans need nine Democrats to sign off on anything that's not done through this arcane budget reconciliation process that they use for taxes and that they tried to use for health care. So Democrats have that on their side. And there's so really there has to be a bipartisan deal. And there's no sign of that right now. Exactly. And there's and it's not just the spending limits themselves that are holding up this package, right? Yeah, there's the, there's other policy issues. Democrats are pushing for a fix for DACA, the immigration program that will expire in uh, in early March. And um, this Repub- is the so-called deferred action program that affects these dreamers, these people who were brought to the U.S. illegally when they were children. Right. And Republicans have suggested handling that issue separately from the spending talks. But Democrats sort of want an all-inclusive package to deal with all these issues together, or at least they want some sort of agreement on how to move forward. Um, They're certainly sort of prioritizing this immigration issue in these talks. Because Democrats, I think, know their greatest point of leverage is during these spending negotiations. If they want something for the dreamers, this is the time to act, right? They have the leverage because they're needed to um, to pass any sort of spending bill because because of that 60-vote threshold in the Senate, Um, and also because... Republicans have historically had a very hard time getting all of their members to support spending bills. There's there's at least a few Republicans who really, especially in the House, who really don't vote for any spending bills whatsoever. Democrats are almost always needed, even when Republicans are in the majority, to pass any sort of spending bills through either chamber. So it's not just the 60-vote threshold in the Senate. It's the fact that Democrats are typically needed to pass any sort of spending yeah. bill. And Republicans are supposed to outline an immigration package this week. We'll see if that goes any further to right. to cut a deal. But there's still no deal so far. And if they get one soon, then the question is, can they even write a final catch-all spending package by January 19 when current funding runs out? Almost certainly not. Um, appropriators will tell you that they need about a month to write an omnibus appropriations bill, basically a bill that funds the entirety of the federal government um, in one package. And that's a huge, huge bill. It allocates, you know, more than a trillion dollars. And this would be for the rest of the fiscal year through September. Then. Exactly. So this will this would fund the government through September 30th. And writing one of those takes a long time. And they they need to get a deal before they can even start that process. They've got bills that are sort of drafts um, in the works, but those are based on spending levels that are, you know, obsolete once a new budget agreement is reached to determine how much they have for defense spending and how much they have for non-defense spending, they'll have to go back and rewrite all these bills funding each agency and program to match those levels and that that should take about a month. So that means that even if they get a deal in the next week or two before this January 19th deadline, which also isn't guaranteed, even if they did, they would still need another stopgap continuing resolution to buy more time to write the omnibus package and then pass it. So we're at least looking at probably a fourth continuing resolution. They're already operating on their third of the year, several months into the fiscal year, and you know they could rely on a few more after that. So we'll have another continuing resolution, which federal agencies say really hamstrings them in how they operate because they can't start new projects or do any new 
shift priorities in any real way until they get a final right. a final budget. There'll be another CR, if not several more CRs, which is sort of an annual thing. I mean, every every year for the past twenty years, they've relied on continuing resolutions to fund the government for the first you know first part of each fiscal year. And then the other budget news last week was was a change coming up with the House Budget Committee. The chairwoman, Diane Black, announced plans to step down as she pursues her bid to run for governor of her native Tennessee. And the Republican Steering Committee is supposed to recommend a successor, uh, we think, this week. Uh, so, Ryan, when what could happen there and who might be the next chairman? So we think the steering committee is going to meet on Tuesday to pick who they recommend for the for the budget chairmanship. There's three contenders that we know of who are jockeying for the position. There's Rob Woodall of Georgia. Um, there's Bill Johnson of Ohio and Steve Womack of Arkansas, three uh, House Republicans. And they, um, they each are a little bit farther down the seniority ladder on the budget committee, which is sort of interesting. A lot of the top, um, the most senior members of the committee have other chairmanships or they're not interested in the job or they're leaving com- Congress or some, some other factor. So they've got, we've got these three contenders, but in a sense, it doesn't matter so much who the chair is because a lot of the big budget decisions end up being made by leadership. It'll be a tough job, whoever takes it, because they, they'll need to craft a new fiscal 2019 budget resolution this spring. And that's, that's always a hard thing to do, to write a budget resolution and get it through, through the House. But it's even more so during an election year, and there's all there's this huge debate over fiscal policy and what direction um, different sort of factions of the Republican Party want to take it in. So it won't be an easy job, whoever takes it. But again, a lot of that is eventually handled by Republican leaders anyway. So it's not the most influential position. It's certainly not a not the most coveted chairmanship in the House. Okay, so that might be a job. There may be reason not to want. Could be. Um, so we have a lot to watch, though, in the coming two weeks then before the next threat of a government shutdown looms on January 19. And CQ will be covering it all for you. My thanks to Ryan McCrimmon, our tireless budget and tax reporter, for joining me. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your CQ budget tracker editor. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can keep up to date by reading your daily CQ budget newsletter. You can subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, and NPR One. And for more on this subject and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at RollCall. See you next week.